everyone welcome to another exciting edition of words images and worlds delighted on this episode to be talking with comics creator philip russert philip thank you for Hi, jumping you? in i'm good i'm good how are you good uh, you actually pronounced my last name correctly for some reason people have trouble with it <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do they, they try to um kind of francophile it like russo yeah, they, it's either French or or Italian, Roserte or Rousser or yeah, that's usually nice. how they go. Nice, it's the Colbert Report effect. That's what it is. Yeah. Colbert, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I love the creative space that you're currently in. Um, all of the art on the wall behind you, the assortment of Justice League characters to uh, the side of you there, and uh, what what a creative space to think about comics and stories and and creating in i just use the word creating too many times but you know what i mean you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah i mean you know surround yourself with the energy that you that you're looking for right so to create that's the energy you want and uh the inspiration of all these different characters that have become myths and myths and legends throughout the years so it's uh it's a nice little haven to go to yeah yeah what uh what led you to the comic space? How did you decide that it was the place you wanted to create? Well, I'm 51. I've been reading comics, you know, since I saw on Kenny X-Men 115 on a spinner rack in the in the 70s. Um, but to be honest, you, I was always intimidated by the thought of writing. I had a very vivid, vivid imagination, but I was always timid by the thought of writing uh, and intimidated by it. Uh, but in 2021, I had gotten very, very sick. It was actually life-threatening sick. And I was in bed for six weeks uh, after a week hospitalization. And I just, a month prior, excuse me, I got this image of a character in my head. It just came out of nowhere. I don't, there was nothing that I can recall that inspired it. It just popped in my head. So I'm laying there in bed and I'm like, you know, what are you afraid of? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just writing. So I started writing as, uh, I, I was, you know, researching how to write a comic script properly. You know, I mean, I thought I knew, but I wanted to make sure because I don't like to just jump in. You want you want to present yourself professionally. And then I just started writing. And in nine hours, I wrote the first script to my main, my flagship title in bed. And then I just didn't look back. I, I, I sent this. I gave the script to my wife. And my wife is one of the sweetest, most humblest people in the world. But she can't lie either, which <laughs> is a good thing. Right, she, right. Like I, you'll know she just cannot lie. She's so bad at it, which is a good thing. So I gave her the script, and I'm sitting there like, "Oh God, I hope this isn't horrible." And she, she finishes it, and she goes, "This is really good." Like she was surprised, you know. And and she's like, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean it the way it came out." I'm like, no, 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 that's that's great because that's genuine, you know. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. I don't want an echo chamber. I don't want to be placated. I need to know. And um, yeah, she said it was good, and I. Just, kept going nice nice well and shout out to uh loving supporting wives husbands partners uh that's always always beneficial to have honest eyes in your life for sure yeah i mean honesty is the only way you get better if people keep, I don't want to be that person, American Idol, that can't sing, but because nobody told me the truth, I'm embarrassing myself, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um. Now, tragedy is the the book of focus, but you're also welcome to mention other titles. So, curious about how the ideas have come together and formed into tragedy. 
So tragedy was the image that popped in my head just arbitrarily out of nowhere. And I was like, interesting, but I had had nothing about her. Um, it was it was weird. So when I sat down at that writing session to write, I used to watch kids when I was younger, my father's friends, kids. I used to babysit them while I was going to college and stuff. And I was always good at just free telling stories, you know, sit down at the campfire, so to speak, and tell stories. So I was like, you know what? My best approach is just write because mm-hmm. no one's looking at this and, and it can be changed as much as I want. So don't put any pressure on yourself. Just write and see what comes out. Yeah. And I decided the best thing is every time I watch a movie, the, the movies that engage me the most, at least in this genre, start with some sort of action. They start with some, you know, like mysteriously, you don't know what's going on. You don't know who the, the antagonist is. You don't even know who the protagonist is, but they're in a situation just to start out. Mm-hmm. I was like, so that sounds cool. So I, I just started writing her in a situation, uh, which in a way was kind of easing me in because I didn't have to delve into her personality. She was just in a situation. Yeah. Um, so that sprung, gave me a springboard to how does she respond to that situation once it's over, which helped me. I was just developing her personality as I was going, which they say right from what you know. Uh, a little of her, her, a little of her is me. A little of her is my wife. A lot of her is my wife, actually. Uh, and then it just—I know this sounds silly, but it, the story was telling itself through me. Mm-hmm. Like, because I just free flowed and just wrote it, and it just started becoming what it was becoming without any seriously conscious. Oh, but I have to get from A to B and do this. And I know that a lot of writers will plot out the, the main points and how, and then connect how you get there. I didn't. I just, as if I was at a campfire telling a ghost story to kids, I just went with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how I write my scripts, actually. I And I think that's why I don't get writer's block. Or if I go in and I don't really know yet, I don't get pressured and I don't feel stumped because there's no pressure. Just enjoy, just write and, and just mm-hmm. create you can always go back and change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've had the chance with this book and others to collaborate with folks. So any particular um, artists, editors, colorists, uh, designers that you'd like to mention? Uh, Well, Ricardo Silva is Mm -hmm. the artist on the book and he's become my family from Brazil. Uh, He's, He's a wonderful human being doing beautiful detailed work on the book. And uh, he's so easy to work with. I'm, I don't have an ego. Like if you came to me and as an artist and said, listen, I don't know if this works. What if we did this? I would look at it and evaluate it and like, oh, you know what? That That's great. Let's do it. And he doesn't have an ego. So mm-hmm. if there's an edit, if I say, well, that's not how the script is interpreted, you know, I meant it this way, whatever. He's like, okay. And he just, he, he changes it or he'll bounce something off me. Well, well, what if I did this? And it's a nice collaboration where, we we both understand our role mm-hmm. and 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 you know the boundaries and where it crosses with a mutual respect but our egos are let's just put out the best book and it's just a good fit and then of course i work with colorist chris sotomayor who is a major marvel dc artist for 30 years a uh, colorist and his his obviously experience is invaluable and He's just amazing with what he does and, and his work. And then letterer Jason Meadows, who is another one that if I go, when I started writing, I was putting too much uh, dialogue uh, in one panel and that's like killing my letterer. 
Um, but he took it in stride and we just worked it out as we went on and, you know, which meant a lot of edits again, and these are my fault. Uh, but he just went with it. Another guy, no ego. So I'm very lucky to have a great team on that book. Love it. Love it. Um, <clears throat> what are the next creative steps, the projects that you'd like to tackle or that are currently in process? Well, uh, tragedy six is coming out soon. Um, we just, I have several hundred of the trade paperback boxed up right next to me that have to go shipped out. Nice. Um, I have a title every month on Kickstarter this year. Um, I'm also publishing other people that are from overseas that they can't do it in their country. So they do it through me in, in the American market. And uh, right now there's a book called Fumigator, which is a really cool sci-fi tale written by Alejandro Rojas in, mm -hmm. in Cuba. And um, it's on Kickstarter right now. And the short of it is um, it's, dystopian future in, in in Havana, Cuba, and nanobots had infected the soil and, and the land, and they, they, they cleaned out most of it, but there's still nanobots around. And the, the, age, the government has an agency with fumigators. They have EMPs and things like that. They go out and they have to clean out these nanobot infections because they also infect humans, turn them into cyborgs, make them go mad, um, so they become threats. Mm -hmm. So if you took like a Judge Dredd, Terminator, Mad Max, you threw all this in a blender and added new, uh, it's kind of what you get. And it's, um, when he presented the script to me, of course, I have to read it and I have to approve or not because I'm throwing my publishing label on it. So I would have to approve. And it was well written. And it, as much as there's familiarity to other genres, it's its own fresh thing so uh which is great because right now i think we've become stagnant in media where we're regurgitating sequels or or mm -hmm. or prequels or or you know reboots um so i think it, i thought it was a breath of fresh air uh that i think people enjoy so i hope they go out and they they pledge it because it's also alejandro's dream and i would love to make that happen for him yeah yeah and i've seen some of the art on fumigator um out I, I suppose on your page and in different places and it looks really really cool yeah it's a different alex bravo is the artist and it, he's got a little bit of a different art take but it fit perfectly and alex actually lives in cuba also so uh it was also great because he knows the landscapes he knows the, the land what it you know he's he's from there he knows the culture so uh, and then Fabio, he's got like four names. I always forget his name. I feel so bad. But Fabio did the colors and he and he did a beautiful job on the colors. So and Jorge George with a J Medina uh, did the letters. But uh, we've got a bunch of books. I've got Arcane Syndicate, which is basically um, the Universal Monsters as a super team, but it's written differently. Mm -hmm. And uh, early reviews, beta reading has loved it. Um, I've got something called Displaced, where different historical uh periods uh warriors from those times a samurai a comanche indian native american uh norse viking they all get time displaced here mm -hmm. and they're a team for the same government agency that has universal monsters it's its own separate book and the book really delves around the culture clashes how they don't get along like an, a samurai of honor is working alongside a viking that would be deemed as not having honor because he's savage and there's a lot of turmoil and it, it the subtext is i guess it was spawned from the fact that i feel like we're not getting along these days in society and we have to learn 
Yeah. We have to learn and understand that we're going to have different ideas and views and the way things are going to go, but we don't have a choice but to make it work because we're here together. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, the the main core of the book. But of course, it's superhero action and fun because the agency uses them to deal with uh, global terrorist threats with the promise of finding a way to send them back. But the government has a different idea. You know, they're not being totally honest. Um so it, it, it's fun. It's not preachy by any means, um, because, again, that's, that's just the subtext of it. But um, I just it just came to me as an interesting story. I have Diary of Dread Volume 2, which is um, a magazine that's homage to, like, uh, the EC comics, uh, you know, the early EC comics and Nelson <laughs> and stuff, which that came in. And I have hundreds of those books that have to go out um, from Volume 1. And... I could go on and on. I have other books. Dynamics, which is, uh, it's like a Pixar book. It's for families. It's my family with superpowers, basically. It has humor, action, but it's more wholesome for everyone. But it's where adults can enjoy it, too. Withered, um, which is angels and demons, but it's more involved because time is not a construct of the human mind or a measurement. It is actually a malevolent being that is imprisoned God. And that's why the world is the way it is. And he, it's slowly satiating itself off of our life essence. That's why we grow old, we wither, and we die. Well, how interesting. How interesting. That's cool. Yeah. And and uh, it focuses around um, uh, Joshua Brightson, who is a man that in a short story prose book I wrote, he's on his deathbed and he finds all this out before he dies. He was being tested to see if he was he was up to the task and he's knighted and becomes an angel before he's consumed by this thing uh and because there was a great war and the angels were wiped out there's only three archangels surviving um so they're trying to bolster up again but they have to be people of faith that you know they they're fighting for the right reason so it, it's got a little game of thronesy stuff going on you know with this with the devil and 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 ball and all those demons there everyone's vying for their position and then it's got that human side. I always try to write books that relate on a human level because I just know that all the stories that resonated with me, they didn't just have the cool action moment or whatever. It was a character mm -hmm. that I said, there's a little of me in there. or I, I can I relate to that. Or they hit you emotionally, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. want to get back to storytelling that writes people in a way that is realistic. Like tragedy, she doesn't win every fight. She doesn't. She's fallible. She's flawed. She's not a perfect human being. She's got a lot of issues going on in her demons. Um, and, and I'm proud of that because no matter what our beliefs are as humans, at the end of the day, we all just want to feel that we're valid. We mm -hmm. want to feel significant. We want to feel like this world is for some reason. You know, we're going through what we're going through for a reason, you know. And I think those are the things that connect us that we've we've lost because we're busy focusing on other stuff. So okay. I like to write characters that that focus to the root of what we all really are deep down. When you, no matter how we react to a situation, that feeling is still there. Yeah, yeah, very well said, and I love that theme, the the connection that people can have if they're willing. And I just I have so many titles I. I <laughs> <laughs> I, if I could, I'm sorry, I don't mean to talk too much, but there's one other thing is I have a graphic novel called Papa. It's 110 pages. My father, he's 77. This is a man that was bench pressing 165 pounds about six months ago. Mm -hmm. um, but he's been diagnosed with stage four cancer, multiple tumors. Um, 
prognosis isn't great. And I wrote this, I had a tumultuous relationship up until about three years ago. And then him and I really started having a relationship. Uh, and I wrote this story and um, called Papa, not realizing it was really about him and me in a way. Um, and when I presented in the script, he read it and he asked me, he goes, is this about us? Is this about me? And I was like, you know what? I, I guess it is. <laughs> and he asked me if it'd be possible to put it into production before it's too late. And uh, I'm going to try. The problem is it'll be like $15,000 to make this book because it's 110 pages. And I don't think Kickstarter is going to give me 15 grand. You know, I don't think people are going to come out in droves like that. So I'm trying to find ways to, to make some money to, to lower the goal. But um, early reviews love it. They say it's like a golden age book. It's a true hero book. You know, uh, it's not dark like today's stuff. Um, and it's it's got twists and turns. The dialogue's well written. It's got a human story. Uh, again, you write from what you know, you know. Um, so I would really love to get Papa in my father's hands um, while it's possible. Uh, so, yeah, that, you know, I have a sign up link for that, too. I have like eight sign up links right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, if people want to find those links and if they want to follow along, where's the best place to go? Um, I have to update my website. So I would say uh, if you follow me on Facebook at Philip Russert, uh, that's the best place to go. I'm at my 5,000 max friends with Facebook, so you'd have to follow it, not friend it. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have Phil Bow Publishing uh, Facebook and Instagram page and then Phil Russert on Instagram because um, I post there all the time and uh, you can you can click the links and see what's going on. All right. All right. Well, sounds great. Um, and sending, sending the good vibes for all of the publishing that you're Thank doing, you. the projects, and I appreciate the work you're doing. Um, anything that we've missed, any titles that you want to close with or anything like that, that you would want listeners to know about? Just, I just, I just want to say, and I don't want this to come across as, as like bitter or anything, but I've noticed a trend now that, you know, the indie community has switched to collecting, you know, collecting covers, uh, what I call cartoon porn, you know, things like that. And I don't begrudge people should buy what they enjoy. And those people who sell that congratulations on your success. But if comics are going to continue to survive and exist as a, as a medium, as they've been, we have to get readership back. So if you're a reader and you're and maybe you're tired of what's in mainstream, uh, maybe you're not interested in the collectible market or maybe you're interested in all of it. I would ask that you give Philbo Publishing an opportunity because we really do write stories that resonate, that entertain. Uh, I don't use them as a soapbox for my opinions on any sociopolitical or anything. Uh, I, I'm not regurgitating uh, another Superman tale. Uh, you know, et cetera. And I'm not just trying to peddle something to get your money. I'm someone that comics helped me a great deal in a very, very crappy childhood, excuse my language. Um, and they matter to me and stories matter because stories, when we're all long and gone, whether it's Shakespeare or, or, you know, Stephen King mm -hmm. stories will, will, 
be forever part of history in a way, right? And they will forever resonate with the newest generation that's introduced to it. I mean, I'm still watching Tom and Jerry cartoons, you know, um, mm-hmm. they, they stay with us when they're written well, when they matter. And those are the stories that I'm looking to write. And I believe I'm writing. Um, so whether it's a $6 PDF or the tw- $10, $12 book, if you want to read quality stories and if it matters to you that you want stories that touch you again, that resonate with you, characters that you can relate to, that you can root for, and you can feel for when they fall, Philbo Publishing is a good place to start. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure to uh, have a link that pops up if people want to check that out. And it'll be in the show notes. And, and Philip, thank you again for the creative space, for sharing stories, and for the time. Thank you for hearing me ramble. <laughs> <laughs> it is all good. It is all good. Well said. Well said. <laughs> uh-huh.